Welcome to Dirty Drinks, where infectious disease and infection prevention professionals get together and talk about everything dirty that keeps them up at night. Join co-hosts Dr. Rick Starlin and Sarah Stream as they talk to other professionals about the dirty things that they think about every day. Morning, Dan. Uh, Rick Starlin here at the Antimicrobial Summit here at the Embassy Suites in Mavista. How are you? You know, I'm pretty good. We had a fantastic breakfast here today. Yeah, what a morning. Been good so far. So this is our first off-site recording for Dirty Drinks. Pretty exciting. It is exciting. And it's nice to know that we're able to, to figure out technology on the spot. Oh, that looks great. Yeah, we had to struggle a bit to get this thing rolling. But now, uh, thanks to your expertise, I was absolutely no help in that regard. You had suggestions. You had suggestions. I don't know if they were good. But anyway, hoping to speak to a bunch of people today about the stewardship and about what they're presenting or learning today. It's really exciting. Yeah, you know, there's uh, renowned experts that have a wealth of information. And we're looking to have just quick conversations, understand their perspectives, understand a little bit of what they spoke about and uh, some of the things that excite them. Yeah, very, very interested to see where this takes us. I think it'll be a great day. Thanks for joining in this today. Our first guest is Jenna Preisker, Nebraska ASAP Pharmacist Program Coordinator. So welcome. You're like the woman of the day. Well, thanks, Dan. So Jenna, tell us a little bit about yourself. So I became an antimicrobial stewardship pharmacist almost by accident. Um, I got out of residency at the time that CHI was merging with Allegiant. And so every pharmacist job was kind of ill-defined and up in the air. So I was looking for work, to put it short. Um, and Faith Regional said, hey, we're going to start a stewardship program. Do you want to be a stewardship pharmacist? I had no idea what that meant. And I said, yeah, I would love to be a stewardship <laughs> pharmacist. <laughs> they said, you can design the program, run the program. We need help do some good things. So I spent nine years there um, building the program kind of from the ground up and gathering a team and then was recruited to Nebraska Medicine to do kind of very similar work. Um, so Faith Regional is a regional referral center, worked with a lot of critical access hospitals, a lot of nursing homes, very small places that would send us patients. And so it was my in my best interest to help them with their stewardship. Um, to make their stewardship better. And so I had a lot of experience in doing outreach. And so by joining the ASAP team, I now get to do that across the entire state and kind of carry some of those um, things I really enjoyed doing in my previous world now across the whole state. That's awesome. And yeah. you know, what's great is, you know, so you were based out of Norfolk yeah. and so much um, of the pinpoint of the focus for everything is, you know, Omaha and Lincoln, but you just referenced something that's kind of important in that you touch across the state, all of the facilities across the state. And uh, whether it's uh, planning uh, visits for assessments and, and things like that, it's, you know, you'll, you'll travel to wherever there's the need. Yeah, that's the 
one of the great things I guess you can say that the pandemic brought about was some of this remote work and um, allowing us to have the state's truly best experts no matter where they live available to um, I mean we've got team members that live in Kearney and um, further out west as well so and with myself in Norfolk it makes us a little bit more accessible to the state as a whole knowing that we can pick up and bring our experts to your facility. And so taking a step back about 10 or 11 years, so you were a new grad from your residency and, and you, um, you're trying to put change in place at an, at an organization, which you it sounds like you already had administrative support, which is obviously critical to mm -hmm. getting this. Uh, but what um, when you were starting this out, what barriers did you run into that you could help people that are maybe early in their process that you had challenges that you had to learn and overcome? And how did you overcome some of those? Yeah, so one of the biggest barriers, I think, was my own barrier of I wasn't traditionally trained in stewardship. I didn't do a specialty residency in infectious disease. And so that kind of grew into the point of our talk later today with our pharmacist panel on how to expand the stewardship workforce. But um, just realizing that stewardship applies to everyone. And so kind of trying to become a better steward myself, do the trainings that were available, um, kind of was the first barrier of becoming more comfortable in the world of antimicrobial stewardship, especially, you know, at that time, the Joint Commission mandate didn't exist. The CMS mandates did not exist. And so it was a very kind of new, newer realm, especially outside of academia and in smaller institutions. So being new for me, it was also new for everyone else in the entire hospital. They're like, you're doing antimicrobial stewardship, what? So there was probably an entire first year of my job as the stewardship pharmacist was educating our hospital team from physicians to nurses to the micro lab themselves about what is our program supposed to look like? What are we even doing here? Um, it was testing, new territory testing. for everyone. And so that helped quite a bit with some of the barriers is that we're all learning about this together. We're all in it together. And I think that really helped with provider buy-in specifically um, because they were with us from the ground up building the program themselves and telling us what they thought and what they wanted to see. So just, just remember we're uh, recording this live at a conference. So right now they're checking up all of the AV systems for some of the breakout sessions. Yeah, terrific. And so, yeah, having that organizational buy-in and other leadership buy-in, I think, is is huge. Um, so, did your program then just snowball and take off, or or how quick how how quickly do you think it was comfortable where this was established, it was accepted, and you were really making an impact? Well, I think quickly is the wrong term. <laughs> um, it was years. Um, I mean, I when I. I say I'm the antimicrobial stewardship pharmacist, but when I first started, I was given five to 10 hours of my time a week to do this is all. And so it was a very small part of my job at the beginning. And then as we started to see some of the benefits and identify our own problems, the need for more and more services just kind of naturally appeared. And so I was able to kind of expand my role further and further. Um, and when I left, I was almost exclusively doing stewardship stuff. Um, for the entire 40 hours a week uh, that I was there. Um, I think another big driver of it is we recruited an excellent ID physician, um, which I know is pretty unique to that size of a facility in the state of Nebraska. Um, but she helped further expand services and drive forward um, stewardship as well. And so I guess take home point from that is just to be patient with it. Um, you're not going to be able to build a stewardship program overnight 
And even if you have one in place, improvements in your program can take years. Um, so just continue to be persistent and um, do your best for antibiotic stewardship and the program will grow. And so in your current role, what are uh, you doing as uh, the ASAP lead? So as the ASAP lead, I'm kind of like I alluded to before, I'm really trying to bring program infrastructure to smaller facilities, especially those that are more resource limited that don't have an ID physician um, to kind of drive things forward for them to the non-pharmacists, the directors of nursing, the infection preventionists, the micro lab techs that are trying to do stewardship and trying to find their role in the world of antibiotic stewardship. And so really just sharing those experiences um, with everyone, no matter what their role in um, stewardship is. And we do that through one-on-one -on -one outreach, um, very similar to the ICAP programs. I know a lot of people have had um, ICAP come to their facility and do assessments and um, I guess driving home the point also that we are non-regulatory. So if we find that you have terrible stewardship program, you're not doing anything, we're not someone that's going to turn you into a regulatory body. We're really truly there to help um, with our with our grant funding, it allows us to um, kind of be a resource for everyone in the state. And so um, another big thing that we're helping with right now is hospitals are being required to implement the National Healthcare Safety Network Antibiotic Use and Resistance Module. And so for I know, I know for a lot of smaller facilities, that can seem like a very big daunting task um, that involves IT and purchasing of software. And so we've really tried to become a state resource for any facility to contact us. Um, I'm happy to help walk facilities through that process and give them some guidance there too. There's a lot of good projects going on with Nebraska ASAP. I'd say the other big project, how long did you want me to talk? I'd say the other biggest uh, kind of educational initiative project that we're working on right now is um, putting in a year-long training program for long-term care consultant pharmacists in the realm of antibiotic stewardship. Um, so there's not really any national, if you're a long-term care pharmacist and you want to become a better antibiotic steward, there's no real specific training program nationally available right now for long-term care, um, largely focused on acute care. The Society of ID Pharmacists did have a long-term care certificate program, uh, but they're in the process of kind of redoing it right now and um, expanding it remodeling it. So as of right now, there's just not much out there for you. Um, so we've set up a 12 month long, once a month webinar kind of series, bringing in um, some pharmacists, some ID physicians to kind of give consultant pharmacists an idea of where to start, how they can help with stewardship in their long-term care facility and things like that. Um, and it is free of charge to register. So, and attend all of those sessions. Um, it's being covered by our CDC grant to try and provide some of those education. So awesome. really encourage people to jump on board with that. Yeah. And if they want to learn more, uh, there's an easy way to find out a little bit more about ASAP. There is, Dan. Yeah. Um, we have a very robust website um, with a ton of resources on it. A lot of the printed handouts that you could find at the conference today, they're all available on our website 24 seven. Um, we get a ton of traffic on that website. Last time we checked up on it, we were getting <laughs> some traffic from other countries, states all over the um, United States. And so there's just a wealth of resources for you on there. We also partner with quite a few organizations that you may see us, our faces show up on, like the Nebraska Hospital Association website or the Nebraska Pharmacists Association website. We're doing some joint educational efforts with those organizations as well. And I just validated a few 
just do a quick search in Google Nebraska ASAP. It's the first first thing that comes up. So very <laughs> so easy. You don't have to remember a long, long web address yes. at yeah. all. Terrific. So at the summit today, what um, kind of quick points, uh, you know, maybe two or three that you've noted so far that you found very um, important and educational for yourself? Um, so I really enjoyed um, Dr. Simzak's presentation about communication strategies and stewardship. And I think she was saying after her presentation, she was getting questions about like, well, what about improving vaccination rates in healthcare workers? How do I have those conversations? And so I think she gave us some good kind of foundational ways to approach very tough stewardship questions and maybe some uh, kind of difficult conversations to have. Um, I really appreciated her um, outlook on that, especially from an outside of um, ID perspective as a sociologist, giving us very practical yeah, ways. Different to, perspectives. Yeah, yeah. yeah I thought great. it was great as well. I also, um, like I think Kate said, um, Emily McCutcheon's presentation from NPHL, the public health lab, was amazing. Um, we've been waiting years to hear um, a very clear-cut, very practical way of how the Nebraska Public Health Lab plays such a huge role um, here in the state of Nebraska and the things that they're doing behind the scenes. I'm glad she used her platform to shout out to MicroLab because they are so important to everything we do. We couldn't ever choose the right antibiotic with our micro um, team behind the scenes. And so just pointing out how important the work they are doing and how technologically advanced it is for the state of Nebraska was very impressive as well. And I'm looking forward to the rest of the afternoon too. Yeah, great. And what is um you're you're speaking a little bit later. Uh, we are a little yeah. overview of what you guys yeah. are going to talk about. Um, so our presentation is about building the antimicrobial stewardship pharmacy workforce, and I guess kind of the idea for this came um, when I left Faith Regional. The pharmacists that applied for my position, a lot of them didn't have really any training in stewardship. Um, they were really interested in it as a kind of concept and a theme, but. Um, didn't have a lot of background knowledge of stewardship. And so with, like I mentioned, the Joint Commission requirements, the CMS requirements, the need for pharmacists going into antimicrobial stewardship has escalated so much over the last few years. And so there just needs to be more accessible ways for stewardship pharmacists to find ways to get trained and to become professionals in stewardship. And so the model for this, I'm just giving a kind of brief intro of the situation. Um, and then I've brought in um, three colleagues of mine, well, other pharmacists, they're not all my colleagues, I guess, but that have three very different perspectives on antimicrobial stewardship pharmacy. They got to where they are in very different routes um, and have yeah, like I said, very different perspectives on what it means to be a stewardship pharmacist. And so I think it's very eye-opening to see um, kind of the different versions of antimicrobial stewardship pharmacists that are out there in Nebraska right now and how others could get involved in that in similar ways. Yeah, so back to not being a cookbook way of doing this. Right, yeah, yeah. Yes. yes. We don't like cookbook and stewardship. <laughs> no, no, that was yeah. that was pretty clear yeah. in the, one of the earlier presentations yeah. as well, which I think is is great because it's uh, nothing in medicine is cookbook, right? I mean, right. it's uh, <laughs> and stewardship applies to that as well. Awesome. Well, we appreciate you taking a few minutes out of your very busy day yeah. uh, to spend with us and, uh, and, and enjoy the rest of the day. And thanks for everything. And yeah. we'll have to get you on a full session of Dirty Drinks sometime and talk about uh, things a little more in depth. Heard antibiograms are a hot topic. So yes. maybe we'll see you later for those. Sounds good. Thank very you. Good. Thank thanks. you. 
Our next guest is Dr. Salman Ashraf, Medical Director for the Healthcare Associated Infection and Antimicrobial Resistance Program for Nebraska Department of Health and Human Services. All right, so getting close to lunch break now, and we've uh, found Dr. Ashraf to come visit with us today. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you very much uh, for letting me be here and uh, uh, and share share some thoughts. Yeah, I, I suspect that everybody here knows your name, um, but uh, you recently, uh, well, still relatively recently, taken on a different role than what you had before. Tell us what you're doing now. So my current role um, is uh, uh, being the medical director for Nebraska DHHS uh, um, Healthcare Associated Infection and Antimicrobial Resistance Program. Uh, so in that role, I lead the state HAIAR program um, and uh, kind of uh, um, uh, oversee in that capacity um, the ICAP and ASAP uh, um, activities also ultimately. So um, that's basically the role. Yeah, and having a summit like this is kind of, it's exciting getting to, um, you know, have a bunch of great speakers come and, and a bunch of interested attendees. Um, how, how does something like this come together? So it, it requires a lot of teamwork, first of all, you know, and, and uh, there are a lot of partners and stakeholders in the state that actually make that happen. Uh, so even though the uh, the uh, ASAP team is primarily responsible to make this happen and the state uh, health department provide all the support that is needed for that. But uh, I can tell you behind the scenes, uh, uh, there are many different uh, uh, professional organizations uh, uh, and our partner hospitals uh, um, and other healthcare facilities uh, uh, whose representatives uh, have been um, uh, on this on the um, uh, on the planning committee uh, to to make this happen. You know, the professional organization, nursing home professional organization, um, uh, acute care professional organizations, uh, uh, CME group, uh, um, uh, physicians. Uh, um, uh, um, uh, you, you can you can kind of count. I, I probably cannot even think of all the all the people who are uh, behind this. So um, so I, yeah, I, I thank everyone uh, who come together to kind of think of what we need in the state. Uh, what kind of um, uh, um, topics we need to talk about, educate on, um, uh, what format is going to be best to do it, uh, how much time we should spend on what topic, um, uh, you know, what do we do in general session and what do we do in breakout sessions. Uh, uh, it's, it's a very delicate planning and uh, in order to come out of this conference and get the um, get the objectives achieved, uh, it, it, you know, so, so I'm very thankful for the, for the great team we have. You know, in looking at some of the speakers today and, you know, some things are, are cutting edge and some things are, you know, reporting of what they found and, and it helps give others ideas of, of ways to uh, really approach their own problems. If you're looking at anything that is on the agenda for this conference and what's happening today, what are the things that you're most excited about with antimicrobial stewardship as we go you know, through the, the rest of 2023 and into 2024? Well, you know, um, as you know, uh, you know my my uh, passion is with nursing homes, um, there, and there and there are two. 
talks uh, on in the summit in, in our breakout sessions when we will start in the long-term care um, uh, section. Um, uh, the first one of them, uh, you know, is about a new type of precautions that has been proposed for the uh, for the nursing homes uh, setting specifically for people for residents who are there in the nursing home with uh, uh, and, and are colonized with multi drug resistant uh, uh, organisms uh, what do we do and how do we uh, safely provide care to them while not having to do the restrictions, the same restrictions we do for those uh, uh, organisms in the hospital, which is basically, you know, lock them in the room and, and just walk away, correct? <laughs> so I'm just, I'm just joking, but kind of, you know, um, it, it's some, somewhere in that uh, category. Um, uh, um, but but how, how do we provide the care when that's their home? Uh, how, how, so, so that's precaution is called enhanced barrier precaution that has been proposed and and uh, uh, dr kara jacobs uh, uh, slifka will be um, uh, presenting on that topic she's uh, the uh, team lead for nursing home infection control at the cdc and uh, I, i'm i'm really um, uh, kind of waiting to for that for that presentation the other the other topic in uh, in the uh, nursing homes uh, um, is is from uh, other talk is in the nursing homes from Robin, Dr. Robin Jump. Um, the, um, she will be talking about uh, uh, recognizing and treating infections in the nursing home residents. And I, I know that that's the topic that is, um, uh, um, that is the most kind of difficult to implement uh, in the nursing homes. And I am, I'm, I'm glad that we were able to get her. She's a great speaker and uh, she will be able to, um, you know, uh, give some pointers uh, to our, um, uh, um, you know, nursing home colleagues here who are here to get that, that idea. And I'm also um, very excited about Kate's talk uh, too. Um, uh, um, but, uh, uh, you know, because those two are the national speakers that we were able to get, you know, is is particularly exciting that way that we were able to bring that expertise in Nebraska. Yeah, that is very exciting. And you spoke earlier. Um, what are the highlights of your uh, speech? This uh, so 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 I think the 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 message that was there overall kind of a very high level overview is that uh, in Nebraska, our acute care hospitals uh, are doing very well in terms of uh, uh, keeping our uh, patients safe uh, and avoiding uh, healthcare associated infections as it comes to uh, some of those infections like clapses or cowties, um, MRSA blood stream infection, C. difficile infection. Our larger hospital systems are are doing uh, pretty well. Uh, there there are some infections like surgical site infections, uh, um, uh, especially related to colon and abdominal hysterectomy, where we can do better. Um, and and we are kind of uh, focusing on that. Uh, there are um, uh, there are you know, uh, areas, uh, there are some hospitals who might be struggling with C. difficile infection, especially the smaller hospital, the critical access hospitals, uh, where we may be able to provide them some support as we go forward to get uh, some uh, further improvement uh, in their practices. Um, and then, And then, you know, in terms of the multi-drug resistant organisms, again, our state is doing very well because we have we have not seen the, the high rates of multi-drug resistant organism as some of other states in the country have seen. However, 
my point was that we are seeing a slowly increasing trend there. So in order for keep us continue to be one of the safest states in the in the in the country, we may need to uh, um, we may need to start paying more attention towards what else we can do uh, to stop that trend from keep going upward. Um, uh, so that's basically I, I think. Uh, um, and then we talked about in our presentation, it's like what are the other resources that we are providing? So there are a couple of other resources that uh, we are we are. Um, um, making available for the hospitals, for the nursing homes, whether it's related to the funding reimbursement for NHS and AUR module implementation or funding for improving the respiratory protection program for nursing homes or infection control um, uh, uh, infrastructure in the nursing home. Uh, those are the type of things uh, uh, that we did, we did talk about. Yeah, one of the other things that was interesting in your talk and it's been mentioned in other talks is some surveillance for MDRs and using things like uh, stool detection methods. And so uh, can you tell us kind of what the thinking is on that and where that might head in the future? Yeah, so, uh, you know, I think where we are trying to go, uh, especially for the pathogens that we are not seeing yet, like Candida auris is something that is nationally increasing. It has like a 95% increase in 2020 um, um 2021. Uh, uh, so we have not seen one in 2021. We have not even seen a single case in 2022 also. Uh, so we are not seeing Canada audience, but does it necessarily mean it's not there? Do we need to look additionally more closely uh, and doing wastewater surveillance may be able to help us uh, you know um, uh, identify whether whether we are truly not uh, not seeing uh, or, or the it's Canada or is truly not in Nebraska or is it there but we have not yet been able to identify that the the plus side of that will be if we are able to see it in the wastewater um, then uh, we can definitely make the case to our um, uh, healthcare leaders to consider doing some enhanced screening to actually find those cases and be able to con do containment response on those cases. Um, uh, so um, so that's basically kind of the thought process behind that. You know, we have applied for funding. We're waiting for whether we get approved for those fundings or not. So, so that's where we are with that. And the public or other practitioners may be familiar with this with COVID. We've done wastewater surveillance with COVID. There was some mention with polio in New York when they were looking at it in the wastewater. So, I mean, the number of pathogens that you could look at this way is potentially huge, right? It's just what you want to look for and target. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We, we, you know, again, ev everything has a cost to it too. So we have to be uh, uh, very strategic on, uh, you know, what we want to uh, use. The, 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 I think the litmus test is that if we have a plan that we are going to put in place after identification of an organism that we are looking for, then it's justified to do, look for that organism. If we're if we're looking for something, but we don't have a plan to how we're going to use that information, then that's probably not necessary to be even looked at. So that's basically our kind of uh, determining factor. So there's a lot of great topics today, a lot of um, excellent speakers. And I know that the, the Q&A and all of that is, is very valuable because, you know, you can read a presentation online. It's just not the same as when you have that interaction. And uh, other individuals, you know, they're, they're getting benefit from the contacts that they make at the conference. So if I'm a uh, an infection preventionist at a, a long-term care facility, uh, what are the other benefits that I'm getting out of this kind of conference? 
So there, there are multiple benefits uh, coming out of this conference. First of all, you know, the great knowledge that you are going to get uh, um, uh, through all these uh, exciting talks and speakers and, um, uh, and, and basically, you know, a uh, um, very, very talented group of speakers. Correct? Um, uh, but uh, as you mentioned, the networking aspect is so important, you know, and, and if you see our summit, kind of how it is structured, we have to, on purpose kept the breaks long. Uh, so it's not like just rushing from session and then going to the session again. You know, when we have breaks, we have long breaks. In order for those ideas, exchange of ideas to happen uh, between people who are who are working towards the same goals. Uh, uh, th and that's very, very important. And then, you know, the speakers are very, um, uh, very um, uh, open to be taking questions even after their presentation is over and they're hanging around. And I just saw some interactions happening on my way here. So uh, so I, I think that's that's uh, then that's an important aspect for an in-person um, uh, summit. And that's why we brought it in person um, this time. It's a world of difference of being in person yeah. versus um, over soon. Yeah. yeah, so much more personal. So much, so much, uh, so much can be gained from that interpersonal connection when you're actually there talking to somebody yeah. rather than staring at the screen. Well, thanks for joining us. I hope the state re uh, realizes how much you've done the last few years with the COVID response, especially in long-term care. It's a, a, a great debt that we owe Dr. Ashraf for his hard work and saving many lives during the COVID pandemic. Well, thank you, uh, Dr. Stalin. Thank you, Dan. Uh, um, uh, this, this is, uh, um, this is basically the work that has been done. We just assisted. We we didn't do that much that what our facilities on the ground did. Um, they they were the one who were dealing with those uh, uh, real time, real life scenarios. Uh, um, so uh, we we could not have achieved uh, what we have achieved in the state without their hard work. So I think they are the real heroes. Uh, um, uh, so so thank you very much. Thank you. Our next guest is Dr. Trevor Van Schoonefeld, professor for the Division of Infectious Diseases at UNMC, Program Director for the Infectious Diseases Fellowship at UNMC, Medical Director for the UNMC Antimicrobial Stewardship Program, and Associate Medical Director for the Nebraska ASAP Program. Well, Dan, it looks like we just ran into Dr. Trevor Van Schooneveld. Happy to have you here. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, it's great to be here. So what have you been doing all day? What have I been? I've been sitting here listening to fantastic talks. So uh, what's, what's, what has been the most interesting thing that you've heard today yes. so far? The most interesting. Uh, I would say there are two things. One, uh, uh, listening to the talk on what's been going on in Ontario and the data that they have that they've collected and the way that they're feeding back uh, to their clinicians in the outpatient setting, long-term care setting on their prescribing habits compared to other prescribers in their province that they're giving them quarterly data, telling them how they're doing uh, is super interesting. Uh, they have a fantastic data system set up there where they get province-wide data um, and are able to compare all of that, which is, I think, would be amazing to be able to do here. It's, it's a challenge to collect that data, but I thought they're just doing some really great things. Um, and it, I've published a lot of great work from that. So a real question, real quick question. So are they doing it as a comparison against other 
facilities yep. that are it's similar peer comparison it's peer. actually comparing oh, okay. it to their peers and so they say oh you're you're in the uh you know top quartile you're not in the top quartile and so they're doing a peer comparison to uh other prescribers in the province are they able to do something with patient case index uh they index? can't risk adjust very well which is their one you know their one issue that they have to say is we can't risk adjust yeah. which is you know the complaint of all the physicians my patients are special and that's why i prescribe so many antibiotics so they're different so the other really interesting thing was just listening to uh, julie simchek's talk on communication strategies and stewardship uh, listening to her talk, I thought, man, those are a bunch of the things I've been telling our fellows for a number of years on how you have to communicate. Um, because over time, you learn uh, being right isn't always the thing you need to be in stewardship. Um, what you need to do is be collaborative um, and just telling people that what they're doing is wrong is highly ineffective uh, at changing what they do. So... Um, it was nice to hear that other people have found the same thing. And so, yeah, being right doesn't necessarily facilitate change. You have to be collaborative and persuasive right. a bit. And exactly. Integrate into the team. I thought her talk was, was yeah. very fascinating yeah. in that regard. Yeah. So those are probably the, those have been the two that I thought were really, uh, really interesting. So. So what's your role in the whole summit here? Are you um, on the, uh, the committee that sets this up and. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm on the planning committee, um, and then I didn't, I don't have to talk this this time, which is great. Uh, and then I just get to do some introductions. But uh, yeah, so along with some of the other uh, people, the ASAP group, we help come up with ideas of what to talk about. People to invite, reach out to those people, um, help just sort of organize and structure what's going to happen. Um, and frankly, uh, every year this has been a I've been super excited about uh, the the um, summit because we just have had fantastic speakers um, from both in the state and outside the state. So, yeah, and how does it come to be what the topics will be? Is it, is it something that uh, you guys all sit down and brainstorm or do you come in there with thinking, hey, I think this is a great topic because it's timely or, or or, or what? Yeah, we try to use a combination of that. We always survey at the summit, what would people like to hear for next year? And so we'll look at that. We often will have some ideas about what we think would be interesting. Um, we'll look at what have we talked about before uh, and say, well, we probably you know shouldn't talk about some of those topics. We'll try to come up with some new things. We all attend national meetings. We'll have heard talks and we'll say, boy, that was a really great talk. Maybe we should think about talking about that topic. And then, you know, things like talking about antibiotic use post-COVID-19 as an antimicrobial resistance is sort of something that's very useful to talk about uh, coming out of the pandemic. So, um, and then we get input. That's where we have a planning committee made up of uh, people from other uh, institutions, hospitals, long-term care facilities, uh, uh, other partners, hospital organizations. Um, and we get their input on what do you guys think the people you work with would like to hear uh, and would be useful. So, because um, that's what we really want to do is we want to provide content that's going to be useful for people who work in other settings Um to help move their stewardship program forward and give them new ideas, new ways of thinking about things, new ways of communicating, um, new interventions um, 
for that they can just take back to wherever they're at. You know, one thing that has um, struck me as I've you know, spoken to some of the attendees and such this morning already is how fortunate we are to be able to have this in the Omaha area mm-hmm. uh, where you don't have to travel to Atlanta mm-hmm. or to Canada or the like to hear some of these speakers. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. I mean, the speakers we have here are the same speakers you're going to hear, at, you know, if you go to the national ID conferences. Uh, these are the same people, and they're here in our state where you can, you know, drive a short distance or depending on where you're from, maybe a little longer distance, but uh, you don't have to get on an airplane. Um, and yeah, the the content uh, is the same thing you would get at many national conferences. Yeah, terrific. I mean, it's been terrific so far. I, I, I've been able to pop in for a few of the lectures and they've certainly been been great. <clears throat> What's coming up that you are looking forward to, to listening in on? Uh, I am very excited about the C. diff talk. Uh, I've been looking forward to that. Uh, it, I've wanted Dr. Rao to come out for a while and talk about C. diff. Uh, there's a lot of novel therapies that are hitting the market. Uh, fecal microbiota based therapies. One was just approved. There's another one that's going to probably be approved here in the next few months. And so where do we position those in uh, how we manage C. diff? Uh, I think is, I'm really interested in that. Um, And then I think, you know, working in acute care, I think, how do we, I looking forward to the pharmacist talk that Scott and Jenna and Anthony and uh, Danny are going to do, you know, I think one of the things that's important we do is build the, the workforce for stewardship for people who aren't in infectious disease, right? Because we have a limited number of infectious disease pharmacists, a limited number of infectious disease practitioners. And so in our state, what we really need to do is build the infectious disease expertise and the stewardship expertise in places that don't have people who've done extra ID training. And so I think that talk will be really interesting. Um, And I think that's just something we need to continue to work on in the state is just building that workforce, that expertise, that knowledge. And that's where the summit is helpful um, because, you know, we don't have ID experts out in small towns in Nebraska. And so we need to help bring that expertise to those areas. Well, it's, also related to something else that you both had referenced earlier, and that's the collaboration. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, seeing in the breakouts and seeing as uh, some of the, the transition goes from speaker to speaker, having people uh, saying, oh, you're from, you know, XYZ town. I'm from, you know, another town that's, you know, 15 mm-hmm. minutes away. And uh, those individuals making those connections and at least learning who they can contact when they have questions. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I think a really important thing for people because we, you know, you don't want to reinvent the wheel uh, every single time you need a cart. Right. And so it's useful to have other people you can talk to. What have you done? How have you addressed this issue? Um, What worked for you? What didn't work for you? Um, And then, you know, I think the other great thing about having the ASAP program and the ICAP program is then you have experts that, boy, you're like, boy, I'm not sure exactly what to do. Uh, Why don't I call up Jenna and see what she would suggest, you know, as our stewardship uh, pharmacy coordinator? Why don't I call up one of the many IPs we have that have done this for years and are really good at this? And um, so I think that's one of the great things about our state is we have very accessible um, program that uh, other you know facilities can go to 
uh, to get help from. So, and it does help make connections here that are beyond just Zoom, right? And uh, Zoom meetings and uh, phone calls. It's nice to see people in person and be able to have conversations. So, yeah, shifting gears a little bit, I know one of the things that's changed a lot in the last decade is the amount of molecular diagnostics that is available to providers, clinicians, IPs, whatever. Mm -hmm. And so part of the role of stewardship is, is really helping figure out which of those is significant and which needs treated and what doesn't need treated. So how do we go about approaching that at, at places that don't have the ID experts and the ID pharmacists? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. I was thinking that's uh, that's something we should do for next time is talk about molecular diagnostics and integration with stewardship for next year. Um, yeah, the access to those is highly variable. Some facilities have lots, others don't have any. Um, and so I think, you know, if you're going to utilize those, uh, you really do have to couple them with stewardship to make them be effective uh, tools. And so those results really have to be coupled with guidance of what when it says this, what should I do? When it says the MEC A gene is detected and Staph aureus is present, what should I make sure I'm doing? When it says the MEC A gene isn't detected and it says Staph aureus, what should I do? Uh, rather than sort of say, well, that's interesting and wait for the culture results to come back. So, you know, I think for things like particularly the rapid blood panels, I would love to see better access. That's a real challenge for a lot of our community our critical access hospitals because they're using reference labs. And so any sort of culture turnaround in those facilities is typically much longer than at a major hospital where, you know, not only does this, the specimen have to go out, it then has to be processed, the results come back slower. Um, but I, I think molecular uh, rapid diagnostics is an area where it's probably a topic we should do next year. So at just, least that would be my bias. Just for the record, that might be the second topic that I've come up with in conversations this morning. Oh, good job. Good job. Welcome, <laughs> welcome to the planning. Meeting. That's right. That's right. <laughs> write those uh, write those ideas down and send oh, them to Kate. They're recording. They're recording. Oh, good. Good, good, good. <laughs> we'll go back and listen to this. Oh, so. Well, anything else, Trevor, you can think of today? We appreciate so. you coming by and joining us. Yeah, it's fun. I'm excited. I'm excited for the rest of the conference, and uh, uh, it's great we get to have it. So, Yeah, well, great to have Thanks. you. Thanks. Thank you for joining us for part one of the Nebraska ASAP Stewardship Summit recordings for Dirty Drinks. This was quite the adventure recording on site during a live conference, and we appreciate all of our listeners for tuning in. Part two of the summit conference interviews will be posted shortly. You can find all of the live video recordings of the conference speakers at the Nebraska ASAP YouTube channel. Thank you for joining us for today's episode. If you enjoyed this content, please share it with your friends. And don't forget to be a part of the conversation by following us at dirty underscore drinks on Twitter. If you would like to share your story, reach out to us through Twitter to become a guest on future episodes. We would love to meet you. Have a great week and make sure to get your fill of dirty drinks.